Welcome to the Fearfully Made Fit podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Mills, future registered dietitian, healthy lifestyle enthusiast, and coach. Each week, I will be bringing you evidence-based conversations current in fitness and nutrition, mindset, and spirituality. Are you ready to live the Fearfully Made Fit life? Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fearfully Made Fit podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten, and I just want to just say thank you so much for consistently investing your time into listening to this podcast. Um, You know, sometimes I wonder if it helps anyone, but if it does leave an impact on you, please take the time to leave a review, share it with someone, give it a rating for me, and... Um, just continue to give me feedback so I can provide guests and content that's going to really benefit your life. Um, It also blows my mind that we are halfway through 2020. So much has happened this year. And um, in the month of June, I turned 26. And I'm just really excited to see what this year has to hold for me, um, how much I'm going to learn. I'm going to be starting my dietetic internship in a month. And um, I'm just really excited to soak up that whole experience. But I want to introduce you to today's guest, Lauren DeRico. And she is an assistant coach on Team Logo Fit, owned by Lauren Conlon. And Lauren DeRico's passion for fitness and nutrition developed at a young age and was amplified after her exposure to the world of bodybuilding in 2013. It was her involvement in this sport that led to her decision to become a certified personal trainer and to ultimately pursue a career as a registered dietitian specializing in sports nutrition. Lauren has five years of experience working as a NASM certified personal trainer and six years of experience competing as an NPC bikini division athlete. In 2016, she became Lauren's client and went on to win the overall title at the 2017 Nicole Wilkins Classic followed by her highest achievement in bodybuilding, a top five finish at the 2018 Junior Nationals. Lauren holds two bachelors of science, one in kinesiology and one in dietetics, as well as a master's in exercise science. She will now be continuing her journey to become a registered dietitian at the University of Chicago Medicine in the fall of 2019, with the hopes of attaining her license as an RD specializing in sports nutrition in summer of 2020. Through years dedicated to personal training, competing, and pursuing a career in dietetics, Lauren has seen a vast number of clients while gaining immense personal experience in both training and nutrition. This experience makes Lauren more than capable of helping her clients achieve her goals, their goals. Um, so I love this about Lauren because we have such a similar path to our careers and I really hope you guys get so much out of this conversation. She was is literally a joy to work with and um, definitely will provide benefits to your life. Welcome back to the Fearfully Made Fit podcast. I am so excited to have our guest this week, Lauren DeRico on. She is almost a registered dietitian and a coach with LocoFit. Hi, Lauren. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, I'm so grateful to have you on and for your time. And I would just really appreciate if you can give us all a background on you, um, 
what got you into dietetics, your you know previous education, and then how you got involved with Team Loco Fit. Yes, perfect. Okay, so I started this long journey um, with my undergrad. So I had gone into college not knowing what I wanted to do. Um, I thought I might want to pursue nutrition, but I actually ended up going the kinesiology route. So I did my undergrad in kinesiology with a minor in nutrition. And when I was done with that, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So um, still messing with the idea of potentially going the dietetic nutrition route, I thought I'm going to go back for my master's in exercise science. And this is going to help me decide if dietetics and nutrition is what I want to pursue or if I do want to stay in like the human movement, physiology, um, kinesiology world. So I went back and I got my master's in exercise science, which I loved and I'm very grateful for, but it definitely kind of directed me into nutrition. I, I just realized that that was more so my passion than the personal training I was doing at the time and things like that, which I still love, but number one was definitely nutrition. So I started looking into what the road would be to become a registered dietitian. So you have to fulfill certain requirements, um, DPD courses, and thankfully a lot of my minor and my undergrad of nutrition fulfilled some of those classes. So when I went back, I just had to do two semesters to get the dietetic degree. So I did that. I applied for dietetic internships, which you know all about oh, yeah. <laughs> the stress. Um, and I got accepted into University of Chicago Medicine um, at Ingalls Memorial. So I am actually going to be graduating with um, registration eligibility this Friday. So Heck I just yeah. returned all my, I returned all my stuff to the hospital today, which is like the best feeling ever. Um, so once you are eligible to take the exam, um, you sit for that, get your license, and then you are a registered dietitian. So that has kind of been my academic journey. Um, in the middle of that, I guess I was probably, let's see. So I met Lauren in 2016. So that would have put me about a year out of college. Um, I had done a few competitions, MPC bikini, and I had kind of just hit this place where I felt like um, I had some metabolic adaptations going on. So I felt like, you know, I was still trying to cut down for a show, um, but I was getting to a pretty low caloric range and a pretty high uh, cardio range. And I felt like um, I had hit this plateau and I didn't know why I wasn't able to make progress anymore. Um, and I started getting into kind of the metabolic adaptation and what happens to your resting metabolic rate, what happens to your hormones such as leptin and ghrelin and things like that for um, as kind of like a consequence of chronic dieting. So I wanted to go ahead and start my first legitimate reverse diet. Um, I did a ton of research on coaches and I ended up finding Lauren. So we worked together for a reverse diet, a prep, another reverse diet, and then um, ultimately my best prep, which I placed the top five at the Junior Nationals 2018. So that was amazing. And um, so I continued to work with Lauren for about four years. And then this past, let's see, oh, I guess it's been almost exactly a year now that I've been working with LocoFit. So I got on board with LocoFit last June, and I've been a coach with them since then, and it's been amazing. So. Kirsten is actually one of my clients right now. Um, so we can probably, we'll probably get into some of the stuff that we have gone through together and um, things of that nature throughout this podcast. But yeah, that's kind of my backstory. Um, I'm so happy with where I've ended up and I'm excited to see what the future holds once I have my license, but definitely a long, long journey that you're about to engage <laughs> in yourself. So um, 
I give you a lot of credit and yeah, that's where we're at. I love that because your journey to becoming a dietitian is almost identical to mine. Um, <laughs> I started off with a kinesiology degree, a bachelor's, because I was too intimidated to go the pre-med route, but I loved sure. like exercise science and all of that. And, um, and I also got them like, I was pursuing a minor in nutrition, so I was taking a lot of the DPD classes at the time, so that when I did decide to go back, um, it really shortened the time to complete the DPD. And so, uh, but Lauren's right, it's definitely a process, and all you can do is take it one step at a time, and just hope like you did well enough to make it to the next step. <laughs> Yeah, literally, you just have to do do what you can, do the best that you can, and hope for the best, because, I mean, you've already been matched and gone through all of that, but to a certain extent, some of it is out of your control, you know, and once you send all your stuff in, like your grades are your grades, your application is your application, and you just have to hope that somebody, um, you know, finds you interesting and valuable, so. Absolutely, um, and I I actually didn't know that you were a national level bikini competitor what was your experience like competing at a national stage oh my goodness this is so this is probably I mean it's great experience to have this background it's not something that I see myself ever doing again in the future but just from a coach perspective it's really um I think valuable to have such a high level experience because I think the thing with competing is you do so for those that aren't familiar you can do shows locally. You can do shows that are essentially national qualifiers, which would be like typically a little higher level competition. And then once you get to national, so if you qualify for a national show, once you get there, the fact of the matter is that every single one of those girls has gotten first place in their division or the entire show. So the competition level at those shows is just totally totally different than any of the other shows um any local shows or even any like regional I guess you would call it shows so having that background is I think really important as a coach because um I think I guess all of us besides Karina who just who just finished up a prep in November but Jill myself and Lauren have all been on the national stage and it's just a completely different animal um the competition level is a lot stronger and there's a lot more girls so I think in my class that year, there were over 30 of us where sometimes you might go to a local show and there might be like seven of you. And then those 30 girls have all won in order to be at nationals. So pretty much all of us had won an overall. Um, so yeah, it's, they get the divisions and um, the classes get pretty stacked. So and I think having that background and just knowing, I guess, what is required and what the look is to be at that level has definitely given me good insight when I'm helping clients try to prep for that level because it's completely, it's completely different than anything else. So yeah, it was a good experience. Um, so obviously that's a hard road to do. <laughs> it's a long road for most people. Um, and it requires a lot of sacrifice and also a lot of, I think, kind of a big topic that we're going to talk about today is just the mental component that goes in into all of that and doing something of that nature. Um, but yeah, so definitely a great learning experience. And I'm very proud of my result. That's a great achievement in that sport. Um, but it, it doesn't come without a lot of 
you know, like less than optimal <laughs> consequences, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, the last show I competed was 2015. But since then, I um, started to judge in the Colorado area just to stay involved with the sport. And I just can't imagine judging at a national level, because at that point, all of those girls bring it and all of those girls are worthy of winning. Um, yeah. So the caliber must be just incredible being in that environment. Yeah, the, the caliber is definitely high in, in that situation and also um, I think what it, it makes it difficult too is just the fact that that's such, such a, excuse me, it's a, a subjective sport. So I mean one judge could like something about you and the other judge might not and therefore you might not get in the top five. So it's just very, you have to be prepared for that and you have to know that. Um, and again that kind of plays into the the mental part of it of just knowing that it is subjective and all you can do is what you can do it's the same thing with the dietetics you're just talking about like you just bring everything that you can and do your best um and if what you present is what they're looking for on that day out of that crowd then good for you you might go home with a trophy but if not um it's not a marker of your worth whatsoever and also just i mean to not get top five at nationals look at everybody you know what I mean everybody's in top condition for those two days um so yeah yeah um I think that brings us to just being gentle with ourselves in general no matter like whether you're competing in a bikini competition or you have you know weight loss goals or you're trying to gain weight or um you're pursuing a career goal like what do you have to say about the inner critic and like how would you define that yeah so i think that first and foremost because you kind of laid out i think most people think um weight loss or the competition but you made a good point to say people that want to gain weight or people that want to gain strength like any goal that you're after everything is going to take longer than you think and when i think of like the inner critic it's almost like a self-sabotaging kind of voice i think that um tries to prevent you from continuing to move forward and instead of moving forward trying to pull you back into what's comfortable um so I see this a lot in a lot of different fashion so I actually just made a post about this the other day because we just had Memorial Day which is an opportunity for a lot of people I mean different this year with the coronavirus but typically these gatherings are an opportunity for people to get together um food is a big part of these gatherings of course um, and I think for a lot of people, and particularly, I'm just going to speak to those that have been on some sort of weight loss journey, um, been in some form of restriction, it, it's kind of a test because you go there and you see all these things and maybe you're somebody that's on this journey of improving your relationship with food and you're like, okay, I'm really excited to go to this gathering, um, you know, eat what sounds good when it sounds good, eat the amount that I need to feel full and be done with it. And then what happens, you get there. And because it's something completely outside of your comfort zone to, to do that and just be intuitive, it's like, okay, so I can be intuitive or I could just not eat here or I could really lowball it and restrict myself here. Or maybe you go the opposite route and you're like, I don't know when I'm going to have the opportunity to eat all of this again because I don't keep it in my house. I'm just going to eat it all. So I think that that kind of mindset where it's just like you're battling with yourself over and over and you completely dodge 
what you had set yourself to do, which was, you know, be intuitive or work on your relationship with food. Now you're going back and forth with these other options, which shouldn't even technically be options, but that's kind of where the inner critic, the self-sabotage comes in. It's like, you will feel more comfortable if you do the other things, but that doesn't mean that that's what's going to push you towards your goal. So I think that that can be, it's very prevalent in a, a bunch of different situations. That's definitely the one that I see most often. Um, I would also say with um, comparison, I think that that is definitely something that I have a conversation with clients about often, especially with social media, which I think is a beautiful tool in a lot of ways. It allows us as coaches to reach a bunch of different people that we wouldn't typically get to reach. But when you're stuck in your house all day and you're scrolling Instagram all day, um, it can be quite difficult to pull yourself out of comparison, which is why I tell a lot of um, my clients, if something is not adding to your quality of life, it's not providing you with information that's helping you get educated or um, you know, get closer to your ultimate goal or just be happy with yourself. These people don't know that you're following them, unfollow them. No one cares. And if they do care, you shouldn't care because it makes your life better. So um, I think that that's another kind of inner critic thing. It's like, you know, you're doing the best you can, but then you see somebody else doing something different and you're like, should I be doing that? Why am I not doing that? Why is that not happening to me? Why don't I look like that? How can they do that? And when I do it, this happens. And it's like, you start just completely berating yourself with all of these like questions that don't even matter really because their journey is not yours, vice versa. And what does that ever help? You know, I think that that's what it comes down to also is like when you really reflect back on these things, what are they helping? Most often times when you're letting that inner critic and kind of that voice get into your head, it's just making everything worse and it's really preventing you and hindering you from getting to your ultimate goal. Um, and I know we've had conversations before and I've had multiple conversations with other clients. It's like the second you get any sort of negative thought, the speed with which you can replace that with a positive one matters. It's like you can sit and sulk all day and nothing's going to change or you can sulk for two seconds and replace it with positive thought and move on with your life. You know, the world isn't going to stop and time's going to pass whether you are moving progressively towards your goal or sitting and dwelling. Um, so you may as well use that time wisely. Absolutely. Um, I agree with that so much. And I've even had some of my own personal clients, you know, they may say like they feel bloated or I might even feel bloated. And that can set you up to have the perception that you're not making progress because you feel bad, but might not necessarily have changed at all. And, um, and I think it's important to be aware of that because if you let those feelings get to you, that could lead to a slippery slope and, you know, take, take back every, every good thing you did that week, you know? Yeah. And I think it's so easy to point out the negatives and it's a lot harder for some reason for us to celebrate the wins. And I think that that's, um, something that we do with our clients is, you know, challenging them to point out their biggest barrier of the week as well as the biggest win of the week and it's forcing that celebration because it's so easy to overlook it especially when you're in that negative mindset um i know something else simple that we've been doing with the internship is every time we get on a call we all have to go around and say one good thing so it's just kind of like practicing that gratitude and projecting it and it's very powerful so um you know when you have a thought like you just said it's a you nailed it it's how you feel is not necessarily the reality of what's happening. 
and you are in total control of your mental space in that capacity. So it's up to you because um, no one else is going to notice. Like you said, the, the bloating thing, like I get that a lot with clients and I'm sure you, you do too. It's like, oh, I felt gross this week or I feel this and that. And it's like, okay, if you're letting that ruin your day though, that's an issue because no one else notices. You're the only one that notices. You're getting in your own head about it and you're literally letting it control your day. And I know I can speak from personal experience that I had that issue with the scale for a long time. So it's like, if I, you know, I wake up and I'm like, oh, if I weigh over this amount, uh, it's not okay. So you get on the scale, you weigh over that amount and the rest of the day I'm in a trash mood. Who is that? That's not fair. It's not fair to anybody around me. It's not fair to me. And I think at the end of the day, it's just recognizing like those thoughts are totally in your control and it's hard and it's and I know it's easier said than done like I can sit here and preach all day but um it's difficult and I think that I feel comfortable speaking on it because I've certainly been there on many different occasions for many different things and it it just is so true it's like focus on what you can control and let go of the rest and that's kind of it and it's like if your inner if your version of the inner critic is you know scrolling Instagram and be like why can they eat pizza and have abs and I can't it's like guess what? It doesn't matter why they can and you can't. All you can do is focus on you. Um, they're not sitting around asking themselves the same thing. So just kind of, you know, move on and focus on something that you, that is in your control and eliminate the things that are going to trigger that. So I think it's also about being aware of what kind of triggers those thoughts. So if it for you is getting on the scale and you know that, stop getting on the scale. Easy fix. And I know that that can also be very anxiety provoking for people. It's like, well, if I don't weigh myself and I don't know if I'm like blowing it up or maybe, and then I won't know if I'm gaining weight that I want to gain or vice versa, I'm gaining the weight that I don't want to gain, whatever the case is. Yeah. It's anxiety provoking. Yeah. It's challenging, but that's where you grow, you know, and it, otherwise you're just going back into what's comfortable, which we already talked about. And that's kind of like, then at that point you've given your power to that inner voice. Yeah. And I'm all about taking action and so for that, I would probably suggest, you know, writing down your triggers, whether that's getting on the scale, scrolling, um, watching certain things on YouTube or um, being around certain people even. Um, there's such a thing as unfollowing people in real life, and it doesn't have to be personal. It can just be to protect yourself um, and your mental health. And then even writing a list down of all the things that fill your cup, whether that's going for a walk or meeting people for a coffee date or, um, you know, just setting routines that make you feel your best. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. And I think um, just kind of having that as almost data as, okay, I'm not feeling that great today. What did I do the other day that I recorded made me feel good? Do more of that. And eventually you won't have to think about it. It's like, okay, um, I'm feeling this type of way. I'm going to go do this. And it's just kind of like a behavioral um, habit at that point. So yeah, it, it, it seems like, oh, it's a task. I have to write all this down. I have to record all this. And it's just a matter of kind of like drilling it in. And these habits and these thoughts have been developed most of the time over the course of years. So you cannot expect them to just disappear in two weeks or whatever the case may be. So whatever you have to do to kind of um, nudge that progress along, do it. 
because again, like I always come back to is the time is going to pass whether you're doing that or not. So what you're doing now is making you unhappy. Stop doing it. You know, you're in total control. So I a thousand percent agree. I think that writing things down, keeping a record, some sort of journal is very valuable for people. Yeah, I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, no coach can tell you what works best for you. Only you know what works best for you. And the only way to figure that out is to, you know, make note of that and be aware of it. Yeah. And I would say too, it's like, I, I had listened to the self-sabotage episode and I know you had listened to it as well. There's a lot of good points in there and it's just um, like, you have to decide and then you have to execute. Like just me and you as a coaching relationship, if I sit, if I suggest something to you, great. I've made the suggestion. I made a recommendation as a coach. Now it's up to you to execute it. Or if it's not exactly what you feel you need, maybe tweak it a bit to, to make it work. But at the end of the day, it all always comes back on that individual. There's only so much that you and I can do as coaches. There's only so much that other people can say. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like people can tell you something until they're blue in the face, but it's up to you to do something about it. And um, something else that I think has been really valuable for me that I recommend to clients as well is like, if you, if you look back on things and you're like, if I had just listened to like my mom, my best friend, my dad, you know what I mean? Like whoever that person is that you truly trust. I, I just think that having those relationships in your life is also very, very important in all of this and kind of removing that because outside opinion from somebody that you truly trust and you know has your best interest can also kind of help you get into the right state of mind. It's like maybe you vent to them about something like I see it this way and the old you would have been like, that's great. And then continue to do what you're doing. Maybe actually trying to take that advice because they probably, there's probably something to it. You know what I mean? Cause I think as outsiders, it's always easy to see some of these things, but when it's you, you're like, Oh, I would give this advice to somebody, but because it's me, I'm not going to like, how often do we do that? All the time. <laughs> it's like, All the time. It's like, Oh, I want you to do this. And I want you to think of this and I want you to act this way. And then like, here I am doing the complete opposite thing you know, like everybody's guilty of that. It's so much easier to just project something onto someone, even though, you know, you should be doing it as well. Um, and I think that having the awareness of that's happening and then trying to step outside of that and like, okay, practice what you preach, you know what I mean? So all of these are kind of ways to get rid of those old habits, old thoughts, old behaviors. Um, but again, you have to find what works best for you, whether it's like confiding in somebody you trust, whether it's writing down things that make you feel good, um, whatever, and it takes time, but anything that's worth it is going to take time and it's going to take more time than you think it is. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think, um, another thing it, for some of us, it could be just really hard to be one, like you almost want to be in a victim mindset for like 10 minutes. Just <laughs> feel sorry for yourself. I've been there and it's like, I know I like I know I'm better than this, but for some mm -hmm. reason we just like think it's like an easy way out for a second. Um, what would you say to people who you know struggle with wanting to stay a victim? It's going to do nothing. It will do nothing. And here's my thing though. I am all for like feeling the feels, like let yourself feel the emotion that you're feeling, but move on. So if you need to like scream, if you need to cry, whatever you need to do, do it and then move on. Um, so I think that somebody that's struggling with like the pity party thing, 
again, that's a hard position to be in as a coach as well. I don't know if you've run into this at all, but it's like, you know, you so badly want to help these people, but they're so in their own heads. And at the end of the day, it's just, okay, you can continue to feel sorry for yourself or you can do something about it. And um, I, I have absolutely been in this position where it was like, I was so unhappy with myself and I felt so upset all of the time um, that I was, again, projecting it on others. And it's no one else's fault. And guess what eventually happens? People start to leave and you start to lose people. Um, so I think that that is unfortunately one of those things where people just kind of have to figure, find out for themselves. Because if you, if you were really trying your best to coach somebody out of this and kind of um, knock some sense into them in a way, and they're just not taking any of it and they continue to have these pity parties or feeling sorry for themselves and just continue to not progress towards what they say they want. First of all, they probably don't actually want that goal. It just sounds nice. Um, and again, we've all been there. And then, or two, the people that you're complaining to are just going to straight up stop inviting you places. They're going to stop calling you um, because they're doing what's best for them, which is to remove negativity from their life. And at the end of the day, if that's the kind of person that you're being, um, it's on you, you know? Everybody's just trying to have their best life and have the most positivity around them that they can, hopefully, because you are such a product of your environment. Um, so I would say, yeah, also, I think a way to get out of that is to surround yourself with people that are doing what you want to do and are better than you at it. So that you have some sort of, I guess, like... Um, motivation it's like these people are um what would be like that person's really strong i want to be a good power lifter i want to i want to train with them um or that person's really intelligent and they are great at finances and that's what i want to do so you try to get in with them it's like find people that want that do what you want to do have similar outlooks as you and do more of that with them if you can because i think a lot of times um, people are just surrounded by the wrong people and then it's like they feel so um, disappointed in themselves almost. And like, that's where the pity party stems from. So I think changing your environment can, and like your group can kind of help that as well. So maybe just taking a, t taking a minute to like reflect and seeing who you're surrounding yourself with and um, why and what they're bringing to your life. Right. And if, if those people aren't in your immediate, you know, town or vicinity, like, that's what podcasts are for. That's mm -hmm. what uh, that's what social media is for. There, I've met so many of my mentors through uh, Instagram alone, and yeah, you know, thank God for that because um, sometimes it's not always available to you if you're in a small town or something. So yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, so I we're kind of running out of time, but I wanted to ask you, I know we, we could talk all day. I'm like, I, I should have, I should have made it an hour long podcast, but, um, what, do you know what areas of nutrition you were most interested in and what you think you'll go into once you uh, pass your RD exam? Yeah. So I am, I definitely came into the internship and I'm leaving it with the same mindset. I know a lot of people go in either not really knowing what they want to do and using that as an opportunity to kind of see a bunch of different realms of dietetics because you see everything um or they might go in thinking like gung-ho this is what i want to do and they they get into the rotation like nope so i went in like sports nutrition all the way 
Um, I want to work with athletes. Um, and then I also went in thinking um, maybe something with eating disorder outpatient setting. I, I am not interested in a clinical position um, inpatient. So that's kind of the direction that I see myself going. And I know that it kind of, it's, it's actually very interesting, especially on a resume um, and cover letter to have these two interests, because I think to some people, it might seem contradictory. It's like, oh, I want to help athletes and I coach competitors, but I also want to work with people with eating disorders. And a lot of those disorders come up with that population. So I think that it can go either way. It's like somebody could look at that and think like, that's great. That's very valuable that somebody wants to merge those two together. Or it could be like, what? <laughs> so um, at the end of the day with all of that, what I've come to find is it's very, very difficult to get into the um, collegiate or professional world with sports jobs, especially dietitians, um, because it's not really a full-time position for a lot of teams right now. And I'm hoping that it moves in that direction eventually, because I think it's invaluable. Um, personally, obviously I have some bias, but, um, and then as far as the eating disorder population, I think that working in an outpatient setting, um, kind of like post inpatient and more of like the recovery process is something that I'm very interested in as well, because I have a deep passion for all of the different eating disorders and and also along with that just disordered eating, which is a completely separate thing. Um, so I would be totally happy working with either population. If I could merge the two, that'd be amazing. But that's kind of my thought right now. Obviously, finding a job in the current world situation is also very challenging. Man. <laughs> so yeah, 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 we'll see. Awesome. Well, my last question for you is, what does it mean to be fearfully made fit and how do you live a fearfully made fit lifestyle? I love that. <laughs> I think that it is essentially going after what you want without any sort of like, like if you even have one doubt, it's not going to happen. So you have to say, this is what I want to do. I'm committing and I'm going for it. And it's kind of like, um, I think you can make anything work if you want it bad enough and I know you and I have even had this conversation just on location and it's like I really think that if you want anything bad enough you can make it work um, and if something isn't working in your current situation you have the power to leave um, you have the power to change you're not stuck no one is ever stuck and I think that also comes with a lot of the inner critic that we already discussed it's like yeah. you can easily dwell and have a pity party like oh I wish I didn't live here oh I wish I didn't do you don't have to Right. You know, you can always take control of your life and you can always do something about it. Um, and obviously what that journey looks like is going to be different for everybody. But at the end of the day, you are in control. And I think just being able to commit and execute and have blinders on essentially is what I think of. I love that so much. Well said. <laughs> well, Lauren, I know you're going to be such a fantastic dietitian and it's been such an honor to be part of Team Loco Fit for the last almost here and oh, I can't believe it you've helped me so much and um where can my listeners reach you if they would like to work with you um find information about team loco fit podcast mm -hmm. things like that yeah so I am most active on Instagram and my handle is just at Lauren Dorico all lowercase none of the apostrophe going on no none of the capital letters um, so that's my Instagram. And then our loco fit 
podcast information, you can find us at Team Loco Fit Roundtable on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify. We also have a Team Loco Fit Instagram page. Um, and then to apply for coaching, there's a link in my personal Instagram bio as well as on the Team Loco Fit bio. So those are probably the, the best bets to get our content or connect with me directly. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Lauren. You are a badass and we appreciate you so much and all that you have to offer today. Thank you so much. That was a blast. <laughs> That's going to be a good one. I'm excited. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you found this information helpful, it would mean the world to me for you to give a five-star review and rating or share it with a friend or family member who you feel would benefit from listening. Leaving a five-star rating and review really helps grow the podcast and get this information in front of more people. Remember that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and to have a health-driven week.